Hey friends, this is Caitlin, and I'm so grateful you've decided to join me on The Comeback Couch. So kick off your shoes, put up your feet, and get comfortable with real stories that have shaped real people. You'll hear from doctors, lawyers, mechanics, and moms who shared their experiences of hope, healing, and holding on when it would have been so much easier to give up. Occasionally, you'll hear a story, a teaching, or a quick thought from me. I hope you'll curl up with a cup of coffee and stay a while as we sit on the comeback couch and learn a little more about life and the hope we can find when we look close enough. Hey friends, just a quick heads up uh, before you listen to this beautiful episode with Rosemary. Um, We do talk about um, suicide, childhood cancer, um, the loss of a child, and just some other um, really heavy topics So if you want to listen before you let little ears listen, or if you are triggered by any of those things, um, just wanted you to know, but I hope you enjoy listening to Rosemary's comeback stories and um, just the way that God's grace is present in all of it. Hey guys, welcome back to the comeback couch. Today we have a super special guest. Her name is Rosemary Sherrod. And we are friends by way of another friend. Um, And I've always been really inspired by Rosemary and her story. And I'm excited for you guys to hear it. So welcome to the Comeback Couch, Rosemary. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for inviting me. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I am so glad to have you. Um, As soon as our mutual friend, her name is Katie. And as soon as I mentioned this podcast to her, she uh, was like, you have to have Rosemary. And I was like, I have to have (laughs) Rosemary on. So you have um, a really inspirational story, but you're, you just, your life is a testimony to God and your spirit is like no other. It really is. I know I've only been around you a few times, but you have the peace of God every single time I've ever been around you. So you're so sweet. Thank you so much, Caitlin. You're so sweet. You just, well, thank you for your kind words. You know, um, it's, it's a blessing to know, that Christ is being magnified in your life, <laughs> you know? Yes. So, um, I mean, that's, I, I think every believer's desire, you know, it's that's like right. be magnified um, and be glorified in the good, in the bad, in the suffering, in the good times, in the bad times. And so, um, and we've all had, you know, I don't want to say like it's just me that has had trouble, but, um, but in much trouble that I have faced that many people know about, I'm glad that I'm always, very blessed to hear that people feel inspired or see God's glory. So thank you so much. Yeah. I think that that is one of the most, um, gosh, just special things about you is that you have remained very strong and not even in like a, um, I don't even want to say fake way. Like it's not been a front. Like (laughs) I can see just outsider looking in, like you have, you have grieved, but you've done it gracefully and you have, Mm. In your struggle, you have said, hey, I'm struggling, but I also still really trust the Lord. And I think that is the key as um, believers when we walk through hard things Mm -hmm. is that if people see us just kind of like, oh, everything's fine, then they're not going to believe that because it's not true. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, we can still be hurting while we have hope. And so for those who um, don't know your story um, and don't know about your son, Cavante. And I don't think I actually got to meet him. I um, heard a lot about him from Katie and the pictures of him. I mean, you can just see the light yeah. of Jesus 
Um, and I know that you've had, you have had just a series of trials, um, and comebacks. And that's kind of every single time I talk to someone on the Mm -hmm. show, it's like, there's not one comeback story. There's, there's hundreds, there's thousands. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a consistent, uh, work that's being done, you know, mm-hmm. until, uh, until the day of his coming, right? Like that's until right. here, we're constantly being molded and shaped into his likeness. Um, and most of the time it is through trials and tribulations, you know. So Rosemary, just um, kind of take us from, I mean, really, you can go back as far as just um, maybe a snippet or a story from how your life began. I, I love for people to go back Mm-hmm. like all the way back and say, <laughs> this is how I grew up. And this, cause it starts yeah. to like, oh, my now really makes sense when I go all the way back. Um, And then, you know, you yeah. can kind of catch us up to your kids and then what you faced with Kibante. Okay. Oh man, Caitlin. Okay. Let's go back. You said, let's go back. To down go back, back. Okay. <laughs> um, it's funny too, because uh, in the book that I wrote where I'm sharing the story, you know, where uh, Kevante was diagnosed with cancer and that faith journey, it was a 15 year faith journey. Um, I actually went all the way back because uh, Kevante, um, I actually had him at the age of 14. So okay. uh, there was a, you know, that's, that's a story in itself. I was it a is. teen. So um, I was born and raised uh, Chicago, in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, the west side of Chicago, you know, rough neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was I was a tomboy. So I wasn't, you know, people when they see a a young pregnant girl, they immediately label them with a lot of names Mm -hmm. that you can imagine. But I was none of that. Like I wasn't, you know, fast and all these things that I heard older Mm -hmm. people actually call me. Um, I was a tomboy, loved art. Um, I was just ignorant, you know, what wasn't even my boyfriend. It was just, you know, one night stand and I, boom, I was pregnant the first time. And it launched my life into a down a a whole another path, you know. And so um, being a teen mom um, and do well, let me back up and say that I was raised in church. So, Mm -hmm. you know, being, you know, raised in church, it was, you know, that just was not the look <laughs> to, <Yeah. laughs> to be pregnant at 14. So um, I endure, um, you know, a lot of judgment from adults that I remember. And, and I had a lot of carried a lot of pain from that. Um, and then I was also very confused um, because I was 14. You know, I, I still yeah. didn't really know or had the maturity to under, really understand that I was about to be a mother, <laughs> you yeah, know, I you, did not you were know. a child. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, to me, uh, it was a blessing in disguise. I say, definitely say that because mm-hmm. my first child was Kevante. Um, and I remember during that whole pregnancy, I just read the Bible. It was the strangest mm-hmm. thing. You know, I was, I was very, I just felt driven to read, read God's word. And, um, I, by the time I had Kevante, um, and I endure a lot of seeing a lot of like judgment from the church, mm-hmm. you know, um, and hearing certain things. Um, people call me certain names. Uh, and then I began to go into like a rebellion, you know, and I started yeah. to um, just have an I don't care attitude. And then I had my second son by by the age of 16. Um, and by then um, it was just very intentional. I didn't care. Um, I would drink, you know, smoke. I was out there in the streets. Um mm-hmm. And did not want to look at a church, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so my uh my teen years, 
um, you know, I was a mother, you know, and I wasn't the best mother, you know, because I still wanted to hang out because I was young. By the age of 19, um, I wanted to commit suicide um, mm. because things were just that hard for me. And a lot of this, the things that were hard for me was, you know, things that I did to myself. And so uh, I ended up giving my life to Christ, though, um, to bring the, the story around is that I ended up giving my life to Christ. Um, one evening as I was contemplating suicide, I just kept hearing this voice say, but you haven't tried me. You haven't tried me. And, um, and I deep down knew that it was God, you know, and I just had those memories of church and hearing God's word kind of, you know, floating through my head. And I remember thinking, okay, God, I'm gonna try you, (laughs) but if if this doesn't get better, you know, um, and, there was a lady that just so happened to be in my life. It was so, so God uh, that was actually inviting me to church um, that happened to invite me to this community center Bible study this one night during that time and asked that I wanted to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over my life. And I did it. And they they took me immediately downtown Huntsville here at some church and was like, hey, we got one. We're going to baptize tonight. Um, I, you know, I always joke and say, boy, they must've seen all the demons I had. They was like, we got to get this one in the water. Right now. Hey, we got to get her in yeah, the water. Yeah. Right yeah. I'm t- I think back on, I laugh all the time. Cause it was a Thursday night, you know, it wasn't a Wednesday. So right. they were like calling the pastor, like we have a young lady that, you know, and I was just crying. Tears was just flowing because mm-hmm. I knew that it was a real decision. Yeah. But, um, I love sharing that just to say, like, from that moment, like, seriously, when I came out of the water, I've never been the same since, uh-huh. um, and I just know that to be a testament to if you really have the mind to allow Christ to be Lord over your life, he will change you instantly. He will come in. Now, that doesn't I, by far, I wasn't perfect after that, yeah. but I remember feeling an immediate change. Like I went home that day. I threw away whatever cigarettes I had, like the, all the mm. stuff. I just remember saying, I don't want this. I don't want this. And um, at the time, my boyfriend, which was my my children's dad, was living with me. Um, I wanted him to leave. Like, I'm like, if we don't mm-hmm. get married, you know, I want you gone. Like, I just remember this immediate change that um, I thank God for. And uh, that's where my journey began with God. And I immediately wanted to give up anything that would get in between uh, God, me, my, me and my relationship with God. Yeah. And so, uh, and then from there, you know, it, it was a journey. <laughs> and so you were journey. 19 when you. Yes, I was 19 um, years old. Um, at that and point. how did you end up in Huntsville, Alabama from Chicago? Yeah, I kind of skipped that part because I didn't want to like, you know, I was kind of like trying to bring it current. But no, um, no, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah, but so I, would, I would personally love to know. I'm like, oh, yeah. I love, you know, what most people don't know is a lot of times when I have someone on the show, like. I know a piece of the story, but I'm finding yeah. out all the things too. So I'm like, oh yeah, act and everything. I'm like, so I want to know all. Oh yeah, the oh yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you all the juicy details. Yes. <laughs> so, so my 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 son Kevante's dad. Um, so I was 14. He was 16. He was a junior okay. in high school. He was a freshman, and uh, and you know he was bad and doing his. He was doing stuff right. That he, been doing so his mom ended up um moving him with his dad here in Huntsville who was in the military he was on the arsenal so um there was a couple of years that he was here uh in in Huntsville Alabama I was still in Chicago 
And um, his mom, my, my, uh, my son's grandmother said one day, you know, you need to just go down to Huntsville and, you know, let him see his son, you know, like just she was trying to she was always this yeah. mediator because we didn't get along, you know, and she was just this awesome mediator. I thank Aww. God for her. <laughs> and she was like, you know, you need to go to Huntsville and, you know, take Yvonne down there. And, uh, you know, I was 19. So I was like, Huntsville, I don't want to go in the South, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had this, uh, you know, illusion of what the South was. Oh, absolutely. And so I ended up saying, okay, well, let me just go just so she can stop asking me to, you know, come down here mm-hmm. and visit um, his dad. And so I, I came in and I visited. And all I remember was, you know, as I was sitting on his dad's porch, their family's porch, it was so quiet. And that quiet was like, everything about my life was just like hitting me. You know, I think it just gave yeah. me that space to think. And I, and I was, because I was, I've always been very ambitious. Like when I was a child, I wanted to be the next, I wanted to be the female Michelangelo artist. I was uh, a painter mm-hmm. and a drawer and I loved the art and uh, wanted to get scholarships and all that. So I was always very ambitious. Um, And, you know, it was just things that I was hurt by, you know, in my childhood, because my dad, yeah. he, very close to him and he passed away when I was 11 mm-hmm. and it was just this this kind of bottled up you know um layers of pain that kind of had me you know in this place of lashing out so I, I remember always feeling misunderstood and people looking at me as this bad kid you know mm-hmm. but I'm thinking I just want to be an artist when I grow up you know so yeah. I remember reflecting on my dreams in the quiet um, that's what, with, you know, coming to the South, it was something that um, so God ordained. And mm-hmm. um, I knew that it was, I said, you know what? I, and in my head, I'm thinking 19, I'm old. You know, I'm like, I'm 19. <laughs> I need to I need to get myself together. And it was old from the perspective that I was a mother of two. And I was looking at the fact that I was a mother and I had not, you know, I had dropped out of school. I didn't, ha- I was nowhere near um, the path that I felt that I should be on. Um, entertaining my, you know, my dreams and my goals. And so all of this was just flowing through my head because Huntsville was, is way, way more quieter than Chicago, you know? Yes. <laughs> so yes. me, I think that was just something that God was, um, you know, taking away the noise. And I was not a Christian in that moment. Um, right. And I just decided that, you know what, I'm going to stay here and start all over again. I knew I was around a bad group of friends or yeah. not, 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 not say they were bad, but they were not good influences mm-hmm. um, to help me, you know, get focused and focus on, you know, bettering my life and becoming a better mom because none of my friends had children. So they right. were all, you know, hanging out all times of night. And that, that just pulled me out to want to do the same thing. And so I said, you know what, the best thing I knew the best thing for me was, you know what, let me just use this opportunity and stay. And I, I literally just walked to this street with my two boys because I did not want to put the burden of my decision on um, my children's dad and his family. Mm -hmm. So I literally just like walked away the day that I was supposed to go back home. And I and I was standing on a corner crying because I didn't know nothing, but I need to stay here. And uh, actually was a Muslim that actually came. You know how you had those Muslims that's on the corner? And he was like, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? And I told him, I said, I don't, I I just don't have nowhere to go. And he took me to a homeless shelter. And that was how, that's how I started. So I I went to a homeless shelter and I just remember thinking, okay, I'm going to fight. You know, I'm I'm starting all over with my boys. Um, And at the time, because I had caused, you know, my my mother, I was not the best child as you you can kind of hear weave through the story. Mm -hmm. 
she already wanted me to, you know, move out and get my own, um, you know, when I got back. So I made it, um, you know, I made it a purpose not to like reach out, you know, to like yes. try to really let me like really try to be a good mom and fight and be an adult, you know, be grown. Like, I, like, yes. you know, you don't say, oh, if you're grown, you get your own stuff, you know, yeah, so I'm exactly. like, let, me, let me do all of that. And so that's how my journey began. Um, I went to a shelter. I stayed there for a few days. And then finally, um, my son's, uh, well, his dad's family came and got me, you know, and they was like, just come on, you know, come here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's crazy because I look back and, and within a month, I had my first apartment. Wow. When, and within a month, I had my first apartment, moved there with just barely a job, <laughs> barely a yeah. job. I, I was because I was very ambitious to, you know, get on my feet. And um, and then from there, my children's dad moved in with me, um, which caused complete chaos, you know, and mm. that's where, um, you know, things began to just really weigh me down with that relationship. And just all of my choices that had been bad choices were, were all weighing on me. Um, and that's what sort of pushed me to that place of feeling like there was no hope and, you know, wanting to give up, wanting to commit suicide, thinking like, okay, this is, I can't do this. Um, and so that's, that's where um, I ended up giving my life to Christ during that time. Yeah. Wow. I mean, wow. Well, you took me way back, Caitlin. I, you took hey, me back. hey, I, that was, I love, that was over 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, you've, and you've come a long way and that fight, like I know that fight in you, but I didn't know, you know, where it started and something that you said that just, uh, I hope people really pay attention to is like, you had been labeled and you had done these things. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, part of my story, I always, I always like to bring up is my mom was a teen mom, um, mm-hmm. had me at 17. My dad was 20 and, you know, they, they have, I, I let them tell their own story. They have a beautiful story, but um, right. I thought of her too, because it's like you get labeled and you get put in a pile and people forget that you were a child and you have dreams and you have talents mm-hmm. And there are so many kids out there that they make one bad decision or they Mm -hmm. make the same decision that the girl beside them made. They just have a different path and pay different consequences. And it's like, they shouldn't be discarded. You know, they have absolutely a future. And um, I'm so glad you fought for your future. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When I look back and I, I often would think, you know, man, if someone would have just taken the time to even yeah. just mentor me um, and just question me, you know, like, hey, you know, what are your dreams and goals? Just to just yeah. to reaffirm me and say, you know what, it's not over because you're a mom. Um, but I do thank God. And I do think that he gave me that fight on purpose because I, I didn't really have that. Um, before pregnancy, I mean, I always, my mom always encouraged me, would always tell me how smart I was mm-hmm. and, and different things like that. But there was a period of disappointment, you know, that she just felt yeah. like, what are you doing? You know, and I get it. I get it. But, um, but overall, you know, um, I have a passion for single moms and, and, and yes. moms, um, for that very reason, because, uh, I think if someone had of like really maybe mentored me, kind of like giving me a heads up, like, okay, you know what you're about to get into. Um, and I probably had some stubbornness on me, but there was there was also 
uh, like I said, I had dreams, you know, and I think that if some someone was there to sort of help me, some of the hardship that I experienced during um, the teen years of being a mom yeah. uh, would have been avoided. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so how old, so Kevante was how old at this time? Uh, he might have well, been when you were four, 19, he was like five. Okay. So uh, and then yeah, he had, was about four or five. And then, um, Xavier, my second son, he was, I mean, I know I was pushing him in like a walker walker. Okay. So he yeah. might've been like one and a half, two. They were, yeah. uh, they were about two years apart. Okay. Yeah, so he's okay. about two years old. So they were little tykes, you know? Yes. Um, so I, I always think back and I think that's one of the proudest uh, decisions that I, I ever made it is one just deciding it, it wasn't about geographical location, but just to make a drastic decision that I'm going to use this opportunity to start over. Um, and I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't a Christian, but that was just something that I just knew I wanted yeah. to have a better life um, and create a better life for my sons. I wanted to be a better mom. I knew I was distracted, you know, by the friends that want to hang out all the time. Um, and that would make me want to hang out all the time. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm often, th- you know, look back on that. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> you know, you have to, you should be, like yes. the Bible talks about David encouraged himself. You know, I've yeah. learned that throughout my life and just say, you know what, God, I thank you for giving me a great a mindset, um, you know, to want to fight, to want to make yes. good decisions um, for myself. And, and of course, God knew that I could not do it without him. And yeah. so he allowed me to sort of get to this place of, you know, my back against the wall Mm -hmm. and this kind of dead end to myself, um, which of course led me to accepting Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, And of course that launched me into uh, a whole nother journey. And it wasn't easy. You know, um, that you said something earlier about, you know, honest, you said something about when you, um, you know, have seen me from a distance and that it it appeared that I was always honest or um, Mm -hmm. not, being in denial about what whatever trial tribulation if you know the grief many people yes. know that my son passed away and that's one of the really that was really important to me that you said that because i always think very consciously to be balanced in being a christian because yes. i feel like that a lot of christians are you know the joy of the lord the joy of the lord yeah, yeah. i mean we, we, yes, we should be walking in the joy of the Lord, but we experience sadness. We experience pain. We experience darkness, you know, and every day I don't feel like I'm full of the joy of the Lord, but you have to, you have to find that balance between, um, yes, your actual emotions of what you may be going through and yet still walking out the word of God. Yes. So, um, you know, the, the scripture says to put on Christ. So it's just yep. like when you go out into this world, you're not going to leave your house without putting on clothes, right? right. Regardless of how you feel. That's so right. to me, if even if I'm sad, I still decide to put on Christ. Like I, that visual. So I may say, you know what, Caitlin, I, I'm not feeling my best today. But but guess what? I'm telling you this with a smile, right? Yeah, you like, yeah. You don't feel, because I'm I still choose to acknowledge the truth of how I feel, the truth of where I am so that God can help me. Cause he said, the truth will set you free. That's right. Um, and the, and the anointing shows up in true authentic being, yes. you know, like yes. not being fake. And I think that uh, some Christians, they don't try to be 
they don't try to be fake. They just don't know how to balance it out. Right. And so they just feel like I'm just going to quote these scriptures and show up with this smile and you're being super fake because you're in denial of yep. where you really are. So, um, and especially with my son passing away, I knew that, I mean, I was extremely sad and when, and guess what, when it got, there were times that I couldn't put on a smile. I didn't beat myself up about it, but guess what? I went and hid and I dealt with that. with yeah. God, Right. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't. And then when I felt it was okay to be um, on the surface and maybe share something about that grief journey, um, I still would share the, uh, maybe the sadness or the grief of it. But then I wanted to combine that with the truth of God's word, because yes. I feel like when you combine it, that's when you're teaching others how mm-hmm. to walk out their soul salvation. So yes. I hope that makes sense. Everything that oh, I just absolutely so to me because to I love ministry. I feel like um, everything that we go through is for a purpose. Some yeah. people are not to be on the forefront. You know, they they everybody's not a preacher, right? Everybody's right. not that pulpit type of ministry. But every Christian does have a ministry. That's right. That's and, right. And, and their ministry is to their families. Is to who we show up and talk with on our jobs every day. We do have a ministry. And so you have to learn how to be balanced and to put on Christ, you know, and I always, I, I don't know that analogy. I'm, I'm a big analogy person, right? Cause I like mm-hmm. to make Me the too. word <laughs> to make sense, you know? Um, so it's just like, you wouldn't leave out the house with, without clothes, That's you right. shouldn't leave the house without putting on Christ, which is your joy and your strength and your comfort and, um, and learning how to lean into that. Um, I have had to learn how to lean into it mm-hmm. and then it becomes real for me. So then when I yes. speak, I'm not just saying that, you know, I, I have joy. I know I can tell you why you can be like, well, well, Rosemary, why do you have joy? And I can give you an answer for that. <laughs> yes. I, answer for that. I have joy because I know Kevante is in heaven with Jesus. That's I right. know it. Without, so, you know, there's a reason for my joy. And so everything that um, I pray that comes across and that exudes from me is to, is truth and it's God and it's his anointing so that it can help others. And I love that you said the anointing shows up in the authenticity. Like that it is that it that's does. a whole sermon. That's a that's a one sentence <laughs> sermon right there. Like we could just all right, we're done. That's it. <laughs> Sorry. I just I just believe that. I just believe it. I just never I mean even when Jesus showed up to raise Lazarus from the dead, like he cried, yeah. right? He's like, That's okay, right. this, this is heavy because this, because he still was a human being. Yeah. And was, that was his authenticity coming out and for a moment. Then he was like, okay, let me walk in this power and let me do what I, what I yeah. came to. And so I think that's how we should walk. You know, um, I always would tell my kids throughout all of the many we've been through. I've been through a lot, just being a single mom, yeah. you know, I've been through a lot. I mean, like you can name it. I've been through it, you know? And mm-hmm. so I would always tell my children, don't get my tears mixed up. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, I got, I have to cry for this moment because X, Y, Z hurts. I said, but just give me, give me one minute. Yeah. <laughs> and I will always picture myself like, let me go to God, get my strength. He is my source. And then I'm bouncing back. You have to choose to mm-hmm. be resilient. And so, um, you know, but I always wanted to even teach my children that, that, it's not just um, like my daughter always tells me, mom, I can't, you know, you're so strong. You're so strong. You're so, she says it so much that I often, I, I still try to let her see when I'm vulnerable yes. and let her see when I'm hurting because I don't want to, I don't want her to think that that is the only way to be is to be strong. I said, That's the right. only 
the reason you see the strength is because that's how much I rely on God yeah. and you're seeing the strength of God. So every morning, you know, um, so periodically with my personal relationship with God, I try to do things to enhance my personal relationship just between me and God. And so every morning I started like getting up and just laying on the floor before God, like God, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is, I don't, I'm nothing. All right. I'm like, I'm, I'm nothing without you. Just this day, I need you for everything that is yeah. going to happen in day. And, um, and just in that, you see the power of God, because I'm, I want God to know that I'm a reliant on him for everything. You know what I mean? Yes. Like everything, every I'm move for every single thing I'm reliant on you for what's going to come my way that the enemy might try mm-hmm. to take me and that you will be, you know, just be my strength and be my guide. And so, um, but I think that in the more you humble yourself, the more his power shows up. Yes. Amen. And people see that power, but you just need, when people acknowledge that power, I think it's our job to make sure that we share with them what they see. It's mm-hmm. not me. It is his strength because whatever you see, it is readily available for you as you humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord. Yes. Oh, yeah. goodness. Goodness. You can, you're just preaching. I love it. No, I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm just- <laughs> This is Caitlin popping in for just a second to tell you about sponsor Harp and Timbrel. They are a super cool Alabama-based company ran by a husband and wife team. They specialize in custom products to celebrate all of life's special moments. From baby hospital signs to larger signs for rooms and nurseries and even milestone cards and little ornaments. I had one on my Christmas tree this year. They create each design to fit your unique need. And they are offering an exclusive discount to listeners of the Comeback Couch. That's you. You can get 15% off your first order with code COMEBACK15. That's C-O-M-E-B-A-C-K-1-5. You can go to harpandtimbrel.com and their Etsy shop. You can even join their newsletter for additional discounts and promotions. And we want to tell you about another company making a huge impact. They are the sponsor of this episode, episode 20, Libertas Financial Advisors. They are focused on building wealth and creating legacy. Libertas means freedom in Latin, and that is exactly what the team at Libertas Financial Advisors wants to help you accomplish. They're a full-service financial and wealth management firm. They begin with a personalized plan to assess what you have and fill in the gaps to move you closer to your ultimate goal. You know, finances, uh, 401k, all of those things, they're not fun to talk about, but they're something we need to talk about and something that um, most of us neglect. So this might be your sign to contact Libertas. Whether it's creating a financial roadmap for your children, positioning you for retirement, these advisors work with the top rated carriers and custodians in the whole industry to find just the right fit for you and your family. They also have exclusive access to a proprietary suite of products and services with some of the most competitive rates available in today's market. So hopefully they can save you some money too. This boutique wealth management firm serves clients in all 50 states. Amazing. So you can give them a call or check them out online at libertasfinancialadvisors.com today to talk more about protecting what matters. We'll have that in the show notes for you so that you can go check them out and give them a call. 
Thank you for sharing all of that. Um, that just the background. I think that's super important. And so now kind of catch us up to when Kevante got diagnosed, how old he was and kind of how that all played out. Yeah. So uh, he was eight years old um, mm-hmm. when he was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. Um, one night he was just crying. You know, he kept coming to me. It might've been two, three in the morning, very late during the you know, middle of the night saying that his back was hurting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I kept sending him back to bed because I thought you know he was a wild sleeper. You know, he's a little boy. He's eight years old. And oh, I'm thinking yeah. like, mm-hmm. have a crook in your back or something. I didn't, you know, I'm like, just reposition yourself. But he kept coming to me crying, crying. And I mean, he was crying like something was just, I mean, he was in torment. And, and yeah. really, so I took him to the emergency room. And that's when they said, well, we see, um, and at the time I was living in Decatur, Alabama. And I, he said, they said, well, we see a tumor the size of a small baseball in his lung. Oh, gosh. And that just took me back. Like, I had never... um I had never had anyone around me with, you know, the word tumor was what it was, but it was so foreign to me. And I just, I was speechless. And my best friend was with me um, that night and we just began to claim the word of the Lord and healing um, over him. And we stood over his little body and, you know, we just um, prayed. I had no idea what the journey was about to be. (laughs) I just, I just knew the only thing I knew was to pray um, I think during that time, I may have been walking with the Lord maybe four years around that mm-hmm. time, you know, four years or so with the Lord. And um, they told me to follow up Birmingham Children's Hospital. And then from there, um, you know, they did surgery. Um, they would do chemotherapy, radiation, and it would always be like, OK, you know, we we don't detect anything else. And I would always the first couple of times, first, maybe two times I would think, oh, OK, that's it. That's it to the yeah. journey. God has healed him. And I would rejoice. We would celebrate. I'd get balloons and say, oh, you know, and, and very excited and saying that, you know, thinking that that was it. Um, but it no, the cancer ended up coming back a total of five times. Um, and it was always localized to his right lung. And so he was eight years old when the journey started. Um, and like I said, from eight years old all the way up until the age of 23, it was just him in and out of remission um, at times um, surgery at times chemotherapy um, and, and at times radiation, you know, he had went through so much, you know? And so um, it was stay localized though. The, the, the miracle was neuroblastoma. Usually when it comes back the second time, it immediately spreads throughout the, the body of the child wow. It's known yeah, to spread immediately because um, it's known to be an aggressive cancer. But the entire time, it always would stay in that lung. That's just that one little upper right corner. And so um, I was seeing the power of God, like just the fact that it wouldn't spread, you know. And so um, I would always keep my hope, keep my faith. Um, And he ended up graduating from Lee High School in Huntsville, Alabama. And uh, he wanted to go and major in uh, and become an anesthesiologist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he said, well, mama, you know, all the surgeries I've been through, it was the anesthesiologist that, you know, open encouraged me, um, you know, when I was scared to go, you know, into surgery. I said, okay, son. I said, I think you would be great because he was very bubbly boy. You know, he was very beautiful smile, very chipper, funny. He was very funny. And so I said, you know what? You have the perfect personality to cheer other kids up. And so he ended up going Mm -hmm. to 
um, USA uh, in Mobile, Alabama, mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to major in the medical field. And so during that time that he was down there, um, it was about maybe he was about 21. Um, he had not told me he was dealing with this extreme pain in his shoulder. And so uh, it was really just the Lord. Um, I ended up basically surprising him with his sister. Uh, I, I had a daughter at the age of 21 during my marriage. Okay. I, had, I finally got married to their dad at the age of 21 and um, had a daughter. So she and I would decide to go down there and like surprise him. And uh, he was just in this excruciating pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and to make a long story short with that, the counselor had came back. They said they had saw a very tiny little, you know, mass or whatever they wanted to check into it. And um, the counselor had came back and I just went back right back into my, it was almost like an autopilot thing. Like I yeah. was just go to war, ready to speak the scriptures, rebuke, you know, the devil and all of that stuff that I had been doing for so long, you know? And so, uh, but this time around, you know, he's grown, right? He's 21. So now Kevante is kind of like, well, mom, I'm tired of doing chemo, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, they wanted him to do high intense chemo, high intensity chemo. And I was ready to go right back into that. Yeah, this, it's just of course. like, yeah, it's, it's just been like the same thing kind of happening rotation. Gonna happen and you're, you're mama bear and you're like, come on, let's go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, let's jump on it. You know? And so. He was like, well, mama, I'm tired of chemo. I hate the way it makes me feel. Um, and we just had like a big disagreement about it. And I'm like, no, we don't need to like procrastinate with this and stuff. But then I knew that like now it was this whole different season because now I'm hearing the doctors like, well, it's his decision because he's 21, you know. Yeah. And so that like I just remember being a little jarred by that. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, yeah, he is grown, you know. And so it was a different season of believing for me because I was used to calling the shots and doing it and being on it. But now, and, and I and I understood where he was coming from because he was tired of being sick. He had been through it like so many times. Mm-hmm. And he said, mom, I just want to try the holistic route. I want to try, mm-hmm. you know, eat it very clean. And I, and it took me doing my own research through, because at first I was like, boy, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. And I, <laughs> And, and a nurse there at, um, at the hospital even um, share a young lady's story that went the holistic route, had the same cancer. And, wow. you know, she she, she ended up, um, her cancer stopped spreading. And I think the doctors gave her a few weeks to live and she had lived years beyond that. So I was like, okay, that gives me hope. So I said, okay, Kimonte. So I go on this journey with him where, he's, you know, we're trying to do the holistic route and all yeah. of that. So. Uh, and mind you, this is very different from my faith because my my faith was like, no, let's just do this, you know. And um, and so during during that time, um, he was 21. And it's so strange. It's almost like the cancer. It. It was almost like a slow motion season. Um, I looked up and because he lived on his own, he was grown Um, once once he turned. What was it? Twenty three. That was almost two years later. He was blacking out behind the wheel, having extreme migraines. Mm. And when I looked up, they said that the cancer had spread throughout his brain and spine. And, you know, it was just the grace of God for those two years. Because I was like, okay, I'm thinking everything's okay because he was now he was he even though he was choosing the holistic route to, you know, eat healthy and. Um, to try that route, he was still getting radiation, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so um, 
you know, I just kind of assumed like everything was, you know, okay. And, and like I said, with him being grown, he was not up under me like it was when he was mm -hmm. a child. I could kind of watch every move and care for him. Um, so when I looked up, you know, um, his girlfriend called me like two in the morning one night and was like, Kevante's not saying nothing to me. Um, he just blacked out. And I was like, mm. she said his eyes are just open. And I didn't know what to think. Like that was, and that moment was like the beginning of, you know, the whole journey of, it just got, it, it just went, it went downhill. That's where I came up with the title, Believing in the Dark. So he basically, he was having seizure-like activity um, because he had a, a tumor at the base of his brain that was blocking spinal fluid. The doctors basically told me, um, you know, we give him about six months to live. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when the doctor told me that, um, I mean, I, I just fell to the floor. Like I can't even... I still don't know what I, I'm just thinking. It, it's literally like what people say when they say it just knocked me off my feet. Like I just yeah. stood up and I don't even know why I stood up because I was sitting down. I stood up and I just fell down like um, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I remember when I was crying, all I kept thinking what all I could reflect on was the entire 15 years. Like this is what I was fighting against. I, I was fighting death. That's what I knew I was fighting. Mm. I did not, I, you know, I did not want to see cancer take him out, you know, take him yeah. away from me. And so um, it just felt like the breath was knocked out of me. So for a moment, I really was just trying to gather myself as a mother before I could even go into any type of warfare. You know what I mean? Um, yes. I was calm and I was just like, I was speechless. Um, I I went to... <laughs> I went to the chapel in the hospital many times, you know, mm -hmm. just crying my eyes out, curling up on that, what looked like an altar and just, you know, crying out to God and telling God that I knew that he was a healer and I, and I believed in him, you know, and um, that I was steadfast in my faith, despite of what everybody was saying and what, you know, and I wanted him to know that. And so from the moment that they said he had, you know, six months to live, it was that that fight was what I called believing in the dark. I brought him home from the hospital. He had to have surgery. They um put a tube in his in his like head to kind of drain the fluid off to, to kind of help, you know, him not to have seizure like activity. He had lost an extreme amount of weight. Um, and our family was just really quiet. Like we were just it was just like we were speechless, you know, mm -hmm. and I can tell that my kids were looking at me like I felt like, what are we going to do, mom? You know, because it's like I'm the faith, you know, person like yeah. they looking at me and I just remember being numb and just saying, God, I don't know what's about to happen, but I choose faith and I choose and I want you to know that I believe. And like, that's the only thing I knew to do was to walk mm -hmm. by faith. That's how I felt in the moment. And to to go uh, to kind of move it on down the, the story ahead is um, he got to a place where he was tired of fighting. Yeah. And. Um, I just these were these were moments that I just couldn't really comprehend as a mom, like you don't look at your child and um, expect for them to be ready to leave this life. You know, it was yeah. very hard to comprehend. Um, and so um, he was ready to go. He wanted to accept hospice because um, he was losing his uh, 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 mobility and his ability mm -hmm. to walk. Um, and it got to where, uh, that was June, uh, I think, what is it, 2019, June, yeah, June 2019, that they gave him six months to live. By the holidays of that year, it was right before Thanksgiving, he wanted to accept hospice. 
And of course, that's a very hard time. That's why I'm naming that time. It's like it's Thanksgiving, yeah. it's Christmas, and they and they discharged him from the hospital to hospice. So I, we came home, and I remember just thinking, you know, I just want to respect his wishes at this yeah. point. You know, I didn't want to, I didn't want my faith to be rude to him. Yeah. Um, but I still very much believe in God because there was just nothing in me that could let him go at that moment. At that point. So we made it through the holidays and I remember thinking, let me just make this as happy of a holiday as possible yeah. for me and my kids. Um, and I woke up, I mean, I, I would drive many days just crying get to, to get away from the house, crying because um, he was paralyzed by this point. The mm -hmm. tumor had pressed into his spine. So I had to, you know, change him like a baby. I had to wait on him hand and foot and it was, it was crushing me. It was crushing my soul to see him, um, it's almost like deteriorating and, you know, um, really dying before your eyes very slowly. Yeah. That's what, And it was crushing my soul. And I remember sitting on the porch saying, God, I just feel like I'm believing in the dark. Like, I don't see you. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why is it getting worse? Cause, because one of the things that really, you know, um, I did, I just could not foresee remind, remind you, I had 15 years of victory that he would yeah. bounce back, bounce back. So that I was just stuck in that mode. Like I'm waiting for him to bounce back. Like he always do. Why is he not bouncing back? Um, because I know you're able. And so I just remember saying, God, I feel like I'm believing in the dark. And, um, that's why, that's how that the title came about. And, um, do, once we made it through the holidays, he said to me, mom, I think I can, if there's something out there that can help me fight, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll try to fight a little bit more. Um, and that's when I, I mean, I strapped my faith boots cause I was still praying secretly. I'm like, God, if you just heal him, you know, he'll yeah. heal. and I, um, I ended up taking him to MD Anderson in Houston because yes. I had heard about how amazing their cancer treatment center is and all of that, you know, good stuff and, that I had heard about him. And I literally, I had a friend to lift him up put him in my car and I drove to MD Anderson, 11 hour drive, trying to save Kevontae's life. Mm. He lived there. He lived, he lived three months, you know, um, after that. Um, and, but out there was another act of God because I was really the only one really caring for him. And people, a lot of people don't know, you know, the ins and out, you don't know the ins and out of hospitals unless you're in that field or unless you've had to actually live it. But is not the support that you really need. Like when you have somebody, yeah. you know, kind of uh, just can't take care of themselves. So I couldn't even go to work. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I went to MD Anderson, there was so much love and support. The nurses, I mean, it was just amazing. Um, and it really was the support that I need. I didn't know when I was going there, I was going there to fight for his life, but right. it was really, like God was surrounding us with this family that I needed um, because it was going into a place that it was outside of being spiritual, if that makes sense. Cause I was so yeah. like, like faith, 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 um, not realizing um, the mental, you know, trauma that I was experiencing from yes. seeing go through what he was going through. And even him, you know, he was going through trauma and they had all of the experts like around us in a way that it was just God's supernatural provision um, for me. Um, 
it got to a place where the tumor at the base of the brain, it never had went away. It was still there. It started hemorrhaging and they gave him 24 hours to live. And it was in that moment. Like, I just knew like, this is really it. Like at that, this is I, really it. yeah, I still had not like let go of God um, on healing Kevante. But when they said that and they was like, well, we can, we can still try to do a surgery, but you know, they was like, he basically w- might be a vegetable. And I just remember thinking he's no. too good for this. I was like, he's too good. He will not live in this life as a vegetable. And with tears just running down my face, I was just telling the doctor no to all of the, you know, do you want us to do surgery? Do you want us to mm-hmm. just like, no. And it's just, that was the first time I, I mean, I really just gave in to what was happening. Um, and my grieving started in that moment. Um, and he lived actually 10 days um, after that. Of course he, he did. They always defied. Yeah, he That's always right. defied the uh, Like they gave him 24 hours. He still lived 10 days. <laughs> and uh, at this point, he he could not, um, you know, he, he couldn't open his eyes. He couldn't respond. Um, and I just held his hand every morning um, and I cried. Mm-hmm. And the Lord reminded me of a scripture because I kept thinking, God, what what do I do with my faith? Like I felt so out of place. Like I didn't know what to do um, because I was so used to fighting the good fight of faith. And he said to me, he reminded me of his word where he said, faith, there's faith, hope. These three remain faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And he was showing me in that moment See, you're used to fighting by faith, but the greatest thing you can do right now is love him and let oh him go. Oh my goodness. Oh, Rosemary. Um, no, I'm, I'm that's that's <laughs> this my dirt. Like that's how he brought me through. And I said, yeah. I was so comforted by him showing me that, though I was broken, though I was completely brokenhearted. But I was so comforted by seeing that that. Oh, and it was like my journey had brought me to the place. Yes, you have to walk by faith. Yes, you had to have hope. But now it's time to just be a mom and love. And I'm going to be honest, that was a gift to me, too. Yeah. Um, I did not want to let him go, but it was like I was able to go in that room every morning and just cry and grieve without being this warrior. <laughs> you know, I was yes. like, always had to be this war this, this warrior and fighting for his life and fighting against death, against death, you know? And so, um, it allowed me that space to just cry and grieve. And, uh, and I made peace with him too. Um, I actually, I put my hand on his chest one morning and I told him, I said, I let you go. I said, I'm sorry. I said, I let you go. You know, because I, because it also, I also knew that he was trying to hold on for me. Mm-hmm. And and I told him, I said, I want you to know that I'm going to take care of your siblings. And, you know, I just the things that I knew he cared about and he had not responded in several days. And do you know, he nodded his head, oh, my he nodded goodness. his head. And that was just a beautiful gift. I felt another gift um, from God to me because he gave me peace before he left um, that he knew that, you know, I finally his crazy faith mama had to do get out yeah. the way and let God you know, take him home. So he can rest. And so um, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And yeah. that is just anyone in any story 
in any walk of life can apply that. I mean, you just think oh, about yeah. the world we live in. We think like, I've got to stand strong in my faith and I've got to stand up for what's right. And it's like, but the greatest is love. Like the greatest you can so take, if you take that scripture and you think about what Jesus did for us. Yeah. What the greatest thing that Jesus displayed for us was all for us. God so loved the world. It didn't say God had so much faith. So much faith. His no, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So the greatest thing that we can ever display and mind you, it was a sacrifice what God did and what right. Jesus did was a sacrifice. And so everything about what I was experiencing with Kivante, it was almost like God was showing me it was still in alignment with his word, you know, to, to reign with Jesus would have to suffer with him sometimes too. That's right. And it may not show up in the death of a child. It may show up in the death of a marriage. It may show up right. with friends that that no longer you know are a part of your life there will be some form of fashion of suffering that you will have to go through as a christian you know but god his grace is sufficient yeah his grace is sufficient and so in in all of what you know um i had to endure by the grace of god and and i talk about this in the book as far as there is always something blooming in your darkness but you have to be like open to God to see it. Sometimes, um, you know, and I understand what it's like to be, did, did I get angry at God for two seconds? Yes, I did. You know, I Absolutely, was like, God, yeah. I said, God, are you a liar? I asked God, <laughs> you know, Jehovah God, the one who made the heavens and the earth. <laughs> I asked him like from a real place. I said, are you a liar? And mm-hmm. this is just because my heart was breaking for my son. And uh, and he showed me that he wasn't a liar. I, I'll tell you that in the next one, but <laughs> he showed yeah. me. <laughs> not a liar. Um, God is not a liar, but throughout the, the darkness, whatever you are experiencing, there is something blooming. And there was a lot blooming. There was a lot of little uh, moments of God's light that I saw. Just the fact that even Kivante truly gave his life to Christ, like, and that he had time to really have, get uh, obtain peace with God for himself. Yeah. Even in that, that is a blessing, you know, um, because it is the hope that we have as Christians that there is life after this. Yeah. You know? And so um, just knowing that, that was, that was blooming, you know, in my darkness, <laughs> you know, to and see- as a mama, that's like, yes, you want your child to live a wonderful life on earth, but that's the yep. ultimate gift you could have ever gotten is knowing. It, yep. Yep. And that's, the Lord. How, that's how God dealt with me as he, you know, those 10 days that I was crying and I was trying to process everything. And that was one of the things that I was just like, I was grieving the dreams and his ambitions. And, yes. and I was like, God, you know, you know, he's not going to get married. married he's not going yep. to, I'm just throwing all of these things out at God. And it was like, God was just showing me, he said, but what is your, he was like, what is the ultimate thing though? What is your number one thing out of everything that you know you want for your son? And I knew it was salvation because I was already, you know, sold out for Jesus. I knew that Absolutely. it was salvation. And then that just took me to another place. Like, okay, God, you know, and it was like, there was nothing that I questioned God about that. I may not had like this thorough answer that I may have wanted to get, but he gave me some type of comfort in his through his word that he was still being faithful in taking him um though I still may not understand it all you know I could have been like well Lord why you didn't give him 10 more years you know what I mean yeah yeah 
But we would have all, as a mother, you're going to stretch the time out until, you know, eternity, you know, so, um, and God had already given him um, more than enough time. More, I mean, like he had already outlived every expectation that the doctors had ever said. Mm -hmm. He had done it. Gosh, Rosemary, I oh, I've, I cried multiple times during that. Um, it was beautiful and powerful. And that revelation about faith, hope, and love is like so simple, but so deep. And I know that we all needed to hear that. That is like, my brain is like, oh my goodness. Like that's so true. Um, we just overlook it that the greatest is love. And sometimes that hurts, but it's what God wants for all of us. And it's what he gave all of us. Um, well, we definitely have to have a part two because I, I, you have more stories and I want to hear all of them. Um, <laughs> but the last question I always ask and what I really would love for you to share is, um, looking back over any part of your story, um, whether it's how you started or Kevante's diagnosis, when you are sitting in the present, what makes a little more sense? now that happened then now that you know how it kind of all plays out Mm -hmm. (laughs) well one thing that makes sense I don't like it though but it but it (laughs) makes perfect sense um is that God gives us rest Mm -hmm. it is not meant for us to toil and fight Mm -hmm and be at be in this war zone all the time i mean it's countless times in the bible that it talks about how he gave his people rest or he led them into a land of rest so and and i say that i don't like it just because god you know because you know kivante's he's at home with the lord you know there's still a part of me that still would love to hug his sweet face right now But what God showed me was, you know, I was so focused on key, so focused on key. Like I was so blind to so much about myself that was bleeding, that was hurting, that was, I mean, like I was so numb to all of my own pain. Um, And so I I just remember the Lord saying to me and showing me that I'm I'm not only giving Kevante rest, I'm giving you rest. Man. And that was something that was beautiful beautiful and ugly to me at the same time you know it was ugly but it was beautiful to me and y'all I'm I'm sure everyone knows what I mean by that you know it's just this absolutely there's this beautiful contrast because um God loved me I had to really look at it and God was like I love you so much I I don't want you fighting like this no more I don't want you being on edge and you I mean like from a psychological and mental standpoint, I was, I was having panic attacks in my sleep. I'm sure. And like I was, it was taking a toll on me, you know, with what was happening to him and, uh, and just, you know, so anyway, you know, what I see now is that um, it was a gift for me as well. And though I, like I said, I don't like it cause he's at home to be with the Lord, yes. but, but, but there is this sweet comfort. There is a sweet comfort in me knowing cancer can never touch him again. That's right. Pain can never touch him again. So, you know, I glory in that and I allow that to be on the forefront and be my comfort. 
But what is beautiful to me now that I definitely did not see then is that God wanted rest for me as well. Mm -hmm. And so um, he passed away right at the top of the pandemic, like right when everything was about to shut down. Um, and to me, it was just so uh, for my life, just so orchestrated, God orchestrated yes. in one sense because it gave me so much peace you know, like I was able to grieve and just my world was quiet because we were all, we all had to quarantine. Yeah. And um, I did not realize how much I needed rest. I had yes. no idea because love is such a force that you forget everything that it has to do with you when you love okay. somebody and you're fighting for them so hard. Um, but we have a father that he sees that he knows it all. And he was like, okay, let me help you out <laughs> because yeah. you, and so God, um, he was not only looking out for Kevante, but he was also trying to give me something, um, which was rest. That is really beautiful. Oh, Rosemary, thank you for sharing all of this. And thank you for writing this beautiful book, Believing in the Dark. Um, tell everybody where they can find you and where they can get your book. Yes. So they can find my book on it's on Amazon, um, all digital platforms. But I know the, the two most popular is Amazon mm -hmm. and Barnes and Noble. You can find my book. Um, if you're looking for me, <laughs> I have social platforms uh, that's uh, on Instagram, Believing in the Dark uh, handle and on Facebook, Believing in the Dark. And for all my young people, I'm on TikTok and it's Rosemary underscore believes. Okay. And I I share uh, a lot of videos of Kevante because he wanted to start a blog on health and helping people. And he was journaling, vlogging some of his experience. So I have um, shared some of those videos on, on TikTok, um, you know, just for memory for myself to be able to go back to and to share with. Uh, he was loved by so many. I mean, yes. so many of at Lee High School and even down uh, at, at USA, you know, some of his college you know, buddies, uh, they have been blessed by seeing some of these videos that had, had never been released um, that was in his phone. <laughs> oh, and he, he left yeah. such a legacy. And I yeah. hate that I didn't get to meet him this side of heaven, but I'm excited to meet him in heaven yes. with oh that God. big smile, with that big yes. smile. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, thank Rosemary, you. thank you for your life and thank you for living it um, just with the abandon of being loved by God and loving other people. Yes, all things are possible to him that believes. That's right. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Hey, thanks for stopping by and sitting a while on the comeback couch with me. You know I'd love to hear from you. Questions, feedback, and even requests. Find me on Instagram or Facebook at Caitlin Chapel Rogers. And hey, don't be shy. Share the show with a friend, post it on your social media and tag me, and send me your comeback stories. You never know when they might make it on the show.